I love Easter and Christmas services because when people come to church, they dress up. And like the guys like to pull out the uh, sports coats. You know what I'm saying? And then and Terry wore his vest today. Listen, you know church is happening when Terry wears his vest. But so thankful that you are here with us today. As Cynthia mentioned, our first service was fantastic. And um, this service is going to be good, too. And we get to witness several people who are going to go public with their faith and water baptism. And that's happening in service today. Usually we do it after, but it's Easter. And when it's Easter, you got to do it in service. And that's what we're going to do. And so we're so thankful that you are here with us today. And we hope that you get a, a picture with your family in front of the photo backdrop. And so, because you're looking good, you gotta, you got to remember these moments. But I want to jump into the message today. This is, this is a powerful message, and I believe it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you some faith. Amen. Come on, how many of you can use a little extra faith right now? Good, good. I want to help you with that. Luke chapter 14 and verse 1. The Bible never ceases to amaze me when you read these stories. Um, Most of us that have grown up in church and you hear the stories, you're so used to them that sometimes you miss the depth of what's actually in there. And there's some things in this story today, you've read it before, you've heard it before, but there are some things in this story that I just want to highlight that I believe is going to speak to you personally, and I believe that it's going to help you to have some faith. Amen? Luke chapter 14, verse 1 It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. I find that intriguing because I have to let you know, I don't think I would have went in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this story is already developing. Jesus has died. They buried him in this tomb. The ladies go to check it out, and the stone is rolled away, and they just decided to go on in. That's some pretty brave ladies. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Amen. Now, let me just warn some of you who are new to Emerge Church. There's a few people in here that like to preach along with me and they get excited. Don't worry about them. It's just putting a little salt and pepper and seasoning on top of a good meal. That's all we're doing, okay? Just got to let you know so that you don't get all weirded out, all right? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples, remember that part right there, and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Watch this. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. The story of the resurrection sounded like nonsense. So they didn't believe it. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and so thankful for your word. Thankful that Jesus is the word who became flesh. And God, my prayer today is as we share this message, this word, 
that will speak life to us, that will awaken our faith to believe, to trust you. Father, I pray that it will bring change to our lives where it's necessary. I pray to open our eyes to see who you are and how great you are and how much you really, really love us. Lord, thank you for every person who is here today. I pray you speak something into their lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How many of y'all know somebody that um, they have all the stories? You know what I'm talking about? Or better yet, the person that you could tell story after story after story about, and then you reached a point of telling the story where it's like, nah, you wouldn't even believe me if I told you. Anybody got a friend like that? Like you could tell story, and then it's like, you, I'm not even going to tell you that because you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I had the privilege of growing up with three brothers. I have one older than me and two younger than me, and it was an exciting household. Can I say that? It was very exciting. My poor mom, now that I'm older, I feel so bad for my mom because uh, as, as young men, we showed no mercy on my mom, and uh, we lived like men in her house, and yes, God bless my mom. And so my dad, I remember when he would come home from work, one of the most usual questions he would always ask was, uh, so how were my boys today? And that, if you're, if you're one of the boys, that's like a trick question because this can go really well or this can go really bad. You know what I'm talking about? And when you have like three brothers, there's four boys, that's like a lot of trouble that could, I mean, you can get in a lot of trouble with four boys in a household. And, and my mom, sometimes she would say something like this. She would, my dad would say, so how are my boys today? And he would, uh, she would say, well, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And sometimes that was because we were actually good. You know what I'm saying? There were those rare moments. There were those moments where it was actually like, you, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. But then there are those moments where it was like, what I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind. How do you, you have that kind of childhood? Come on, let me, let me see your hands. Yeah, a few of you. Some of y'all, you trying to act all holy because it's Easter, but we know. So when I look at this story, uh, that's what it reminds me of, these ladies. And by, way, by the way, shout out to the ladies, am I right, who go to the tomb. Yeah, you can clap for the ladies. Shout out to the ladies who go to the tomb and witness this. And, and, and if it wasn't enough, the stone was rolled away, they go inside. That's pretty courageous, am I right? I mean, Cynthia, if there's like a, 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 a babat, that's what we call it at the house. That's like an insect or a lizard or whatever in, in the laundry room. She ain't going in there. That's Cajun, by the way, babat. Now you know. Who would have thought we would have talked about that on Easter? But there we are. But these ladies were brave enough to go inside of a tomb when the stone was rolled away. And then not only that, they have this encounter now with an angel. And now you're starting to see this story is starting to sound a little far-fetched to believe. Because if you come home telling somebody, oh, I talked to an angel today, they want to check your meds. Am I right? Like, are you starting to see this story is like, what is going on here? What have you ladies been up to? I know you're going to anoint the body, but what are you going to anoint the body with? Because the fumes are really starting to get to you. And so, but I really respect these ladies because they're, they're encountering this. They're about to tell the first resurrection story that's ever been told. And I just love ladies' passion for God. I love their passion for God's house. And these ladies, they had it. And so the angel says, listen, 
Jesus said this was going to happen. Do you remember? And they're like, yeah, we remember. And so he said, go back and tell the disciples. Now, what's interesting about this is if there was anyone who should have recognized and known that this was about to happen, it should have been the disciples. Am I right? They're following Jesus. Like, they're investing three years of their lives. Like, heavily invested with Jesus for three years, and Jesus is teaching them everything, performing like jaw-dropping miracles, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, they are their front row. They're witnessing it all, and Jesus is letting them know, hey, guys, I want you to know I am going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners, and I'm going to be crucified, but on the third day, I'm going to rise again. If somebody tells you that, that's typically something that you're going to remember. Am I right? And so I would just be sitting there, like if he's getting crucified, just watching like, okay, let's see if everything he says is going to happen. Because he said he was going to rise from the dead. But no, that's not the story here. These ladies rush back to tell the disciples who now have been upgraded into a new title and a new position, they're apostles now. Like enough, they had to reprint all the business cards because it wasn't enough just to be the disciples. Now they're apostles. That sounds big, am I right? Like I'm just pastor, but if you start calling me apostle, I, I'm a button my coat. <laughs> and y'all know I don't wear a coat often. I might even throw on a tie. Like that's like, what you doing here? And it blows my mind that these guys who were the disciples, the immediate followers of Jesus, and these guys who are now the apostles. They didn't remember this. They didn't remember Jesus talking about rising from the dead. They didn't remember that, that he told them how all the events were going to unfold. And it's easy for us to sit here and look at those guys and say, what is wrong with you? Like, what kind of apostle are you? Like, come on, guys, you got to do better than that. Am I right? And so it's easy for us to look at them. But before we judge them... Let's look at the whole story. Because when you look at the entire story, what you see is someone, a group of people who've been hurt. See, we get the benefit of knowing the rest of the story, but they were living the story as it was being written. They didn't know how it was all going to unfold. We have the advantage because when we hear about Jesus being raised from the dead, for you and I, it is so common. We've heard it so many times since we were kids. The Easter story has been told, and we just know, yeah, that's what happened to Jesus. But like this week, I really started contemplating, like if I was there for the first time, if I was one of the guys that were one of the disciples, would I have immediately believed it? Or would I, or would have I, I mean, I probably would have thought it was nonsense too. Like it's so easy to look at them and say, oh, you guys got to get it together. But to be in that position and consider they just saw this person that they invested these last three years of their life with, like brutally tortured and then crucified. And are we to expect that there is no emotion involved in any of that process, like, surely their spirits had to be crushed by seeing Jesus, their, their friend, their leader, their teacher, their example, to see him walk through all of the pain and misery that he walked through, 
and trying to wrap their minds around why is this happening, even though he explained that it was going to happen, they still have this hard time trying to figure out why is this happening and why is it ending like this, like he's dead. This is not how it was supposed to work. And now we begin to empathize a little bit with them because now we feel the same emotions. And if we were just critics, it would be easy to analyze and say, what's wrong with you? But because we're real people and we know who Jesus is, we can feel the pain of what these guys were actually walking through. And in a state where their spirit is crushed, it's easy to understand why they would forget some of the things that he said. Spirits were crushed. Have you ever been there before where, where life events were happening so much that you felt like your spirit was just crushed? And you, you're just trying to wrap your mind around it like, what in the world is happening right now? Like, what, what is this? Where is this coming from? This is not how it was supposed to go. But yet, this is how it's all happening. And I can just imagine that they were in this state of just trying to process all of the events. And, and guys, realize, these were some intense events that were, that were occurring. This was some intense stuff. This wasn't just, oh, we're going to crucify him. The, the graphic nature of how Jesus was, 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 was tortured and crucified only puts you in a place to say, why would he do something like that? Why would he allow, with all the power that he had, why would he allow himself to go through so much like that? But then you remember, wait a minute. He was doing this because of me. He was doing this because he wanted to make a way for me. He was doing all of this because he knew there would be the days where I would be at rock bottom and wouldn't know how to find my way up out of this. But because he went before us and walked through it and endured through it, he created a way for you and I to overcome and to get through and to get past all of these things that we can only look at and say, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. See, there's a lot of people that have that story that when you ask them, how's it going, they would say, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And sometimes it's because it's that incredible, but sometimes it's because it's been that intense and it's been that difficult. And they were just trying to process all of the events that were occurring. Like, if they knew that it was going to end like this, can you imagine them saying, what was all of this for the last three years? A follow like, why, why all of that if it's going to end like this? Again, they were just trying to process it. And that's where we wind up. We wind up in these places in our lives where we're just trying to process how is it happening? Why does it have to happen like this? And that question, why, is so loaded. Because we know before we even ask it, the question will never, ever be answered. But yet we continue to ask it, why? Why is this happening? And we can't wrap our minds around it. But we're problem solvers by nature, am I right? And I'm going to figure this one out. And so we just keep processing, keep processing. And we process ourselves right on into the places of anxiety. We process ourselves right on into these places where it's dark and where it's lonely and where it's hard. And it's like, what in the world is going on here. But all those events that were occurring to us look so brutal, look so terrible, was actually God's plan just progressing. 
That's hard. Because we wouldn't have planned it that way. Am I right? Come on. I mean, you remember when Jesus was in the garden praying and he said, Lord, if there's another way, like right now would be a good time to try to figure this out. You know what I'm saying? And that's where you see the humanity of Jesus. Because I would have been praying that too. Lord, look, I love you and all. But I think I got an idea. (laughs) How many of y'all praying with me on that one? We're in what if prayer. What if, like, what if we, like, do it a little bit different than that way and do it this way? If he changed the plan, and he had the power to. He had the power to come down off of the cross. He had the power to call all the angels of heaven to come and annihilate everyone that was taking his life. He had all the power. But we see the true nature of Jesus as they were crucifying where he utters these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. We've been there in our lives. We don't, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know. God, forgive me. I don't know what I'm doing. He spoke it. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And he endures all the way to the cross, and he stays up there on the cross because he knew if he comes down, there's no way for you. And it speaks volumes of how he sees your worth, that he would stay on that cross because he says they're worth it. They're worth the pain. They're worth the suffering. So when we look at the story, it looks like defeat, but actually it was progress. This is what had to happen. In fact, listen to this. Before the foundations of the world, the Bible says the lamb was already slain. In other words, God knew man was going to blow this thing. He knew you, just like you knew your kids were going to act like that. When you went to that restaurant that time, you knew it. I know every time we go to that one restaurant, a kid's going to act crazy. So what are we going to do? Are we just not going to go? Are we just going to say, I don't know whose kids those are? Come on, don't raise your hand and say I did that. Put you in this place, though, of understanding how these disciples that are now apostles, how their spirits could be crushed. How they could be so affected because they couldn't wrap their minds around why is this happening to someone so good? Like Jesus, so innocent, never sinned, and yet here he is being punished for something he didn't even do. But just because you can't process everything that's happening doesn't mean that God's plan isn't making progress in your life. And sometimes we don't see it because, again, we would like to do it another way. I mean, I I got ideas. But God has a good plan, and he sees things that I didn't see, and he knows things I'm going to face before I even get there. So he's actually helping me. But this is what I begin to think about. Why is it so hard to see the possibilities of what God can do and remember the promises of God? Why is it so difficult to see it? Why is it so difficult to remember the promises of God when our spirits get crushed? Like when we're facing those really, really hard events in life. Why, why is it so hard? And, and again, you would just expect the disciples, the apostles, to remember this. I mean, it's not like they haven't seen Jesus do a miracle before. They did raise a man from the dead. There was that guy, Lazarus, that had died, been dead for four days, and Jesus shows up on the scene. 
and says, I got this, and says, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes out of the tomb, and now this man who had been dead is alive. They've seen this before. They just never saw it with someone that close to them. It's like when you hear the story about something that happens to somebody, you can empathize from a distance, but when it's in your own house. It's easy to tell everybody you got to remember the promises of God when they're walking through it. But when you're walking through it, for you to remember the promises of God is so hard. And why is that? It's because spirits were crushed. You would think they would put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Because Jesus spelled it out. I will be betrayed into the hands of sinners. I will be crucified. And three days later, I will rise again. I, I, I try my best to be a good communicator. I feel like that's pretty clear. And it's logical because we hear it. But to feel the things they were feeling... Sometimes you just can't put it together. It's amazing how when these life events occur, how much we struggle. How much we forget what he told us. How much we forget his promises. But he hasn't forgotten about you. See, we may have forgotten about him and all that he's been able to all all, We forget all that he can do, but he hasn't forgotten about you. And at this moment, when their faith was the lowest, they're at a low point right here, because now they just tell them, hey, Jesus is alive. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I believe all this stuff. They're at the lowest point of their faith. They're at the greatest point of their fears. Jesus appears to them. And isn't it just like Jesus to show up right when you need him? This was the moment right when they need him, and Jesus showed up. And they believed at that point, not only was he the son of God, not only is he the Messiah, not only is he the Savior, but now they know he is the resurrection and the life. Now they know because they've seen it. I've seen him. He is alive. We read these stories in the Bible and again, it feels like it's, it's distant because it was years and years ago. And what they were walking through, uh, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around. But I want to share a story with you this morning of someone who is walking through some real life events and is looking to remember the promises of God. Check out this video. My name is Haley, and I'm married to Lance, and we have three kids together, Kenley, Leighton, and Hadley, and we've been going to Emerge Church for five years. In 2015, I was having a lot of headaches, and it just felt strange to me. It felt like something was pushing me, like I needed to go somewhere and see, and I kept thinking to myself, brain tumor, and I thought to myself, how many people get headaches and think brain tumor? So I went to see our primary physician. They sent me for a scan, and they ended up finding out there was an abnormality on my brain. I had an awake craniotomy. They said it's pathology, and it did come back as a primary reoccurring brain tumor called an oligodendroglioma. I did 32 radiation uh, treatments over in Jacksonville, and it was, you know, obviously really challenging on our family, and 
the kind of brain cancer that it is, they tell you that it will never go into remission, you'll never be cancer free. But I remember my mom telling me, she said, I just can't believe this has happened to my baby girl. Like, why is this happening to you? And I told her, I said, I feel like I can handle it. And that's why I'm being put through it, because I know that I can do it. Right, so after treatment, we kind of just went right back into trying to find some sense of normalcy. We just jumped right back in and tried to make the best out of life. We ended up getting pregnant with the twins. Last May, it was Memorial Day weekend. We were on the way back from the beach and we were laughing and singing and everybody was in a good mood. We, it was Lance and I, and then the kids were all in the car. All of a sudden, my body just sat straight up and my arm went up and then my chin like went to my shoulder and I went all the way this way. I started making a noise and I couldn't move my body, I couldn't say anything. I went unconscious after that. Obviously he was panicking, he pulled over on the interstate. He said he looked at Kenley and he said, Daddy can't help you right now, I've got to help Mommy. And she just like, <laughs> sorry, she just went straight to praying over me. I wish that I could have been conscious to hear that happen because, I mean, it just makes me so proud of her. Then in November, I had another seizure. We had felt like we had come so far in the last month. It was literally like a month. I had just started driving and I was so terrified all the time. And what if I don't get to see like my kids? <laughs> Sorry. Like what if I don't get to see them get to grow up and if like Lance has to do it by himself? Like I just don't, don't want that for my family. In January, um, Emerge had the 10 days of prayer and fasting. So we go in there feeling very heavy and I think defeated is probably the best word. When we broke off to pray, Pastor Wade came over to us with communion. I've taken communion a million times. It becomes routine. You do it on you know special occasions, but he told us to imagine an IV or like a blood transfusion going into your body. And that's the blood of Jesus when you drink the juice. And for some reason, a light just went off in my head. I have been taking communion wrong. We prayed. It was like his strength was my strength. His healing was just washing over me. Even like his breath in my lungs. Like I took a deep breath and I had a complete breath. I was breathing when I left church that night. I feel like we just traded the fear and the anxiety and the pain and all these things, we traded it for God for his armor. I know that at some point I'm gonna be completely healed and they're gonna look at the scans and they're gonna be so dumbfounded because all they're gonna see is a hole that they took up my brain and there's not gonna be any tumor in there and there's not gonna be there's not gonna be any more seizures. I'm not I'm gonna be taken off seizure medication and I know these things are gonna happen because I, I know his promise to us now. I can't do all this by myself. I am gonna face more things. My family is gonna face more things. There is always light at the end of the tunnel. And God has big plans for us. He is taking us somewhere, but he's gonna teach us some things on the way. These hard things that you're going through, they're gonna create and produce so much endurance with your faith. When we feel defeated and we feel like this is the end and there's no way that any good can come of this, but don't you think that's what everyone thought when Jesus was on the cross? Like, there's, this is over, it's over. Everything we did, all those miracles, everything was for nothing. And then when he gets resurrected, it's like, I'm here, it's not over.
story is so powerful and so personal because this is a daily walk for Haley and her family. And still walking through more doctor visits, more treatments that have to be lined up. But there was something that occurred in her faith that shifted her whole perspective where she started believing again. And when she said it's not over, I literally believe that was the message to share with you today. Because this was the message that those disciples that are now apostles, they learned in person. That even though the events that added up ended in death, the story wasn't over. The story was just being finalized. And I begin to think about how many times we look at what's happening to us, the events of our lives that are occurring, that make us feel like we had that argument last night, and so does that mean the marriage is over? We had that issue at work, does that mean my job is over? We had that falling out with the child, does that mean that the relationship is over? And so many times we have those moments where we think, that's it. Nothing's good, nothing good is going to come out of this. But we see the resurrection of Jesus that continues to announce to us over and over and over and over that you may face some really tough events, but it is not over and that you can live again. Think of all that Jesus went through on the cross, the price he paid for the sin, and all of the wrong that we had that he took on himself, okay? He goes to the cross to make a way for your healing. He goes to the cross for your restoration, for your redemption. He faced the most, I mean, incredible events so that he can make a way for everything that you and I may face. And that plan, all of that that he walked through, it was setting up. Of resurrection. John eleven twenty five 25 says it like this. Jesus spoke this. I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life. Anyone who puts his trust in me will live again. They will live again. And I want to share three quick things before we baptize this morning, just to help you have something practical to take away from this today. Three things the resurrection tells us. Number one is this, that he is present. It wasn't over for Jesus. If he had just died and that was it, we couldn't say he is present. But because he is alive, you and I can say he is present. And this is what I know about Jesus. He shows up. And maybe you came here today and you're like, well, Pastor Wade, I kind of need Jesus to show up in my life right now. And I believe you hearing this message, Jesus is showing up to help you to believe again, to help you to have faith again, to see the possibilities of what he can do in your life. Here's the second thing the resurrection tells us that his plan is still in progress, that God's plan for your life, the events that have been occurring are not changing what God has planned for you. They may be some tough plans. They may, they may be some tough situations, but I want you to know God's plan for you, it continues to move forward. Do you believe that today? His plan continues to progress, and that's why we say it's not over. In fact, if you're still breathing, he's still working. Amen? And the events you're facing are not changing God's plans. It might look hopeless, but this is where you've got to remember, He is my hope. He is the resurrection. And then here's the third thing. Not only is He present, not only is His plan still in progress, but His promise 
still remains. The disciples, their spirit was crushed when Jesus was crucified. But the resurrection actually made the way for their spirits to be revived. Just like you walk through those situations, your spirit gets crushed. But because of his resurrection, your spirit can be revived. Because of the resurrection, watch this, the promise of the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the giver of life was poured out on all who would believe. And it was his spirit that was given to us as a guarantee of all of his promises. Maybe today your spirit is crushed because of the events of life. Because of the resurrection, I need you to know there is still a promise for you to live again. There's still a promise for you to live again after that divorce that happened. There's still a promise for you to live again after losing that job. There's still a promise for you to live again even after declaring bankruptcy. There's still a promise for you to live again even after that diagnosis. There is still a promise for you to live again because of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And I get it. Sometimes it's a lot to wrap our minds around. It's a whole lot to look at and say, how does that happen? But for generations after generation after generation so many people have walked through the most intense events and the spirit of Jesus has been there for each and every one of them every time and they rose again from those terrible situations they rose again from that hard time they rose again from that divorce they rose again from that thing that happened at work they rose again from that thing that happened when they were a kid they rose again because of the resurrection of Jesus and that's why today I can stand here and tell you it is not over for you It is just beginning. You can live again because of the resurrection of Jesus. Romans 8, 11 says, yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. When we started the story, the group of people who we thought would be so faith-filled, their spirits were crushed. But we conclude the story today, and their spirits were revived. And those 11 disciples that were now apostles, that seemed to have little faith, turned into the ones that would spread the faith all around the world. It was a resurrection that took place in their life. You can live again. Your story, it's not over. Today, you can experience the power of the resurrection. I know it sounds like nonsense, but too many people have walked through too many things We've seen God meet them in the middle of the most intense situations, and they kept going. I look at Haley's story. She's gotten some pretty discouraging news, but her faith keeps going. She keeps believing the day is coming where it will be announced that she is healed. That's her story. 
I wonder what your story is. I wonder what it is that you've been walking through that has crushed your spirit. Those things that happened that have literally defined your life. Those things that you've said, why did this have to happen to me? And I know you carry the pain. But today, you can let him carry the pain. And he can give you the promise of resurrection. You can live again. I believe it for you today. Amen. Let's bow our heads in this place. Lord, we're so thankful that even though the story looked like it was over, you were just finishing up what you already planned. And Father, today I pray for every person in this room that maybe their spirit is crushed. Maybe by decisions that others have made that has affected them personally or maybe by their own decisions that they have made that have affected them. Father, I just pray today that they will see that there is hope in Jesus and that the events do not have to define their life. They can live again. They can carry on because it's not over. But Father, today I especially pray for those that don't know you, that don't know you as the Savior, that don't know you as the resurrection, that don't know you even as a friend. And our prayer together as a church is that today they would know you as their Lord and Savior. And Father, today we lift them up and pray that they will make the decision to surrender their lives to you. And if you're here today, perhaps you haven't made that decision yet, but you want to surrender your life to Jesus and begin a relationship with him. Every Sunday morning, I get the privilege of praying a prayer to help people know Jesus as their Savior. And today is no different. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me. And maybe today you're away from God. You don't know him as your Savior. Never heard this stuff before. Perhaps you have a church background, but you've been away from the Lord. But today you could tell Jesus met me here. Jesus showed up in my life today. And today you can give your life to Jesus. And this can be a fresh start and a new beginning for you. So I want to lead you in this prayer. I want to ask everyone to repeat it after me this morning. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. That you would go to the cross to pay the price for everything that I have done wrong. For all of my sins, you paid the price so that I could be forgiven, so that I can be free. So today I make the decision to put my faith and trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you and I announce and I confess that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And I choose today that I'm going to live my life your way. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to put your hands together. Someone pray that prayer today for the first time. We're celebrating that decision. Someone pray to recommit their life to Jesus. We're celebrating that decision today.